0: By this time, Judas Iscariot had gone off to betray the Lord Jesus Christ to the Jewish religious leaders and soon Jesus would be taken captive and he would be crucified. Now imagine if that was you. At a time when Jesus was going to be crucified, he comforted his disciples, he thought of others. I would say that if any of us knew that our death was imminent and we knew that we were going to be crucified, nailed to a wooden cross, we would be self-obsessed. We wouldn't be thinking about too many other things at all. Especially if our death was an agonising death of crucifixion. But Jesus chose rather to comfort his disciples. The lives of those men were beginning to fall apart as the reality of the imminent departure of their Lord was finally dawning on them. Look at John chapter 13 and verse 36. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither thou goest, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, whither I go? Thou canst not follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Jesus was had been telling his disciples that he was going soon, he was going to depart, and they wouldn't be with him, at least not for the time being. Imagine what they were going through as they faced the prospect of being separated from the one whom they had come to depend upon totally and love dearly, one who meant everything to them, and one who was everything to them. Without doubt, the disciples of Jesus needed comforting more than ever from their Lord, and they got it. In fact, Martin Luther described the words of this chapter as the most comforting sermon that the Lord Christ delivered on earth, a treasure and a jewel, not to be purchased, with the world's goods. Let me remind you that these words of comfort were spoken by the one who knew that he was soon to be nailed to a cross, carrying in his holy body the vile sins of those disciples and of all whom Jesus came into the world to save. In other words, it's it's it's, it's a horrible thing anyway to know that, well, soon I'm going to die on a cross. I'm going to be nailed to a cross and left there to die. But things were different with Jesus, weren't they? Because he is the man who is God. The sinless son of God. And he was soon to drink from that cup. That cup of sin. The collective sin of all who would ever trust in him. He would take upon himself the curse of God's law when he was nailed to that cross. He knew these things. He came into the world to save sinners. The Lord Jesus Christ, as well as being the loving and the compassionate God, is also a man who according to Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 2, can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way, for he himself is compassed with infirmity. In other words, because Jesus is a man, he is able to deal gently with people, though they are ignorant and wayward, for he is subject to the same weaknesses as they have. Apart, of course, from sin. Jesus never, ever sinned. But as a man, truly a man, he is able to relate to the things that we go through, our sufferings. This is why Jesus is perfectly qualified to be the high priest in heaven above, representing the church before God, his Father. He has boundless love, and a tender-hearted compassion for his people. Although the disciples had come to believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah, and they trusted in him, unless I've been misunderstanding this, it seems to me that their faith was a seeing is believing type of faith. They had seen the miracles, They had even confessed Jesus to be the Son of God, most notably in Matthew chapter 16 and verse 16, that great confession from Peter, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Yet their faith did not embrace any notion of Jesus dying on a cross, being raised up to life and returning to heaven without them. For example, after Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to his disciples. However, one of them, and we know who that is, Thomas, doubting Thomas, he was not there. When the other disciples later told Thomas that the Lord had appeared to them, Thomas could not believe it. He could not believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. In fact, he said, Except I shall see in his hands the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe it. You can find that in John chapter 20 and verse 25. They just couldn't get it that Jesus had to suffer and die, be raised up again and be turned to heavenly glory. Thomas has come under much criticism for his unbelief or for his seeing, is believing type of faith. But that's where the disciples were at the time. Let's look at these divine words that we see before us in John chapter 14. Words that proceeded from the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ when he was speaking to the disciples whose faith was so flaky. Verse 1 of chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Throughout history, people have believed in the invisible God. Many people do actually believe in God. And only the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. You know, when people tell me they're an atheist, I kind of give them a wry smile because I'm never really that convinced. I think to myself, well you're not blind, physically blind, you're spiritually blind, but you've got eyes on on the top of your head. You can see the natural beauty, you can see God's creative handiwork, you can see these things. And I'm not convinced that you really, really don't believe there's a God. You just don't want to give an account to that God. You just want to carry on doing what you are doing, enjoy the pleasures of this world, and pretend that God doesn't exist. By and large, people have always believed in God. And and primitive tribes in various parts of the world, they have some form of worship, don't they? uh, Where they acknowledge the Creator. They believe in his being, his creative handiwork, his power, and so on. And people believe in God, even if they have never, ever seen him. In this verse, the Lord Jesus Christ is telling his disciples to have faith in him when he has gone. As people have faith in God, whom they have never, ever seen, will have faith in Jesus when he is gone as well. That's what Jesus was saying when he said, you believe in God, believe also in me. Bearing in mind that Jesus had told them that he must soon depart from them. Keep believing in me, even though you won't see me for a while. Further on, the Lord Jesus Christ went on to explain that he would not abandon them, rather he would send a comforter And that comforter would be none other than God, the Holy Spirit. The ministry of the Holy Spirit would be twofold, really, to testify of the Lord Jesus Christ and to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And, you know, the church really needs to understand something here. Being a spirit-filled Christian is someone who seeks to glorify Jesus. Someone who loves Jesus is someone who is spirit-filled. And this is the ministry of the Holy Spirit who indwells all truly born-again Christians to focus them upon the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loved them and gave himself for them at the cross. As such, even now, the Christian is indwelt by the Holy Spirit, whom Jesus sent when he returned to heaven 2,000 years ago. And that will never change until Jesus comes again. Spirit, uh, Christians, born-again Christians, are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They are sealed with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's ministry is all about glorifying Jesus in people's hearts and lives, so that even though Jesus is now in heaven, it really is possible to focus upon him, to love him and to follow him. The Apostle Peter was one of the disciples who clearly did come to trust in Jesus with a a faith that wasn't just a seeing is believing faith. And so we read in in Peter's first letter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, some 30 years after Jesus had returned to heaven, this is what Peter wrote. Whom, having not seen, ye love. He was writing about Jesus. Having not seen, ye love. In whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable, And full of glory. That's a real saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Whom having not seen, ye love. And thank God for that. And ultimately it's because God loved you first. And gave himself for you at the cross. If you are able to say, well I've never seen Jesus, but I love him. In verse 1. The Lord Jesus Christ reached into the troubled hearts of his disciples with those words, let not your heart be troubled, ye believe in God, believe also in me. This is what real saving faith is, an assurance of heaven ultimately, isn't it? An assurance of heaven, it's about having a Holy Spirit wrought conviction that Jesus is alive, And that he reigns victorious, having triumphed over your sin on the cross. It's about the Holy Spirit continually witnessing in your heart that Jesus is truly alive, having triumphed at the cross and with his resurrection. And although the Christian cannot see him, he trusts him, he loves him and he knows that Jesus loves him with a Calvary love. Back to the Apostle Thomas, who was absent when the risen Saviour appeared to his disciples. Thomas did eventually see the risen Saviour, and Jesus said to him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Again, it's this seeing is believing type faith. Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. I don't imagine that any of us in here has ever seen Jesus. Anyone here seen Jesus? I haven't. But I ask you, are you blessed having not seen him, yet you believe in him? You truly believe that he laid down his life at the cross, bearing away your sins. Do you talk to Jesus? Is Jesus the Lord of your life? So, not only are you trusting in him for the forgiveness of your sins, you are bound to him. He is your Lord, and your whole born-again life is about doing the things that he wants you to do, and the life that you now live in the flesh. You live by faith of the Son of God, who loved you and who gave himself for you. Living for Jesus, not, on, not in your own strength, but with the enabling of God, the Holy Spirit, to live for Jesus, to glorify him. Are you really trusting in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins? All of your sins, past, present and future. Do you believe that even right now, Jesus is representing you as high priest before God. Seated at the right hand of his father in heaven. Praying to God that God would keep you from the evil one. Praying that his joy, the joy of the Lord Jesus Christ would be fulfilled in you. That you would have his joy. Have his peace. Praying that when you die, you will go to be with Him and to behold His glory. Is this what the Holy Spirit is telling you? Is this your conviction that when you die, you will be with Jesus? Which is far, far better than anything in this world. Do you long to be with Jesus? Are you like the Apostle Paul, who was looking for the glorious appearing of the great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, when he shall return to gather up his elect? Again, and let me finish with this. Jesus said, "Ye believe in God, believe also in me. Do you believe?